Joining me today is Sister Cheryl Munkowski, Director of Mission Integration at Beaumont School and my partner in crime and traveling companion to El Salvador last November. Welcome, welcome, (laughs) Sister Cheryl. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. So Cheryl, we had an incredible trip back in November to to El Salvador, and it was your first time there, correct? And it was my first time there. And, um, you know, it's taken a little while to kind of process all that we saw and experienced while we were there. But um, for you, you know, kind of what's your most memorable moment? What really sticks out to you from that trip? Um, I have a hard time with that because as I think back, things come to me at certain times. Uh, There were certain things that I would have said exiting the plane. This is going to be my most memorable. And some of them have stayed with me. Visiting the site of the murder of the church women, I think has to stand out as being the most spiritually and emotionally captivating moments. It was for a variety of reasons. I had seen pictures of the site for years and to be there was incredible and and was uh, something that I will have in my memory. But why it is memorable has changed in various times. Certainly it was, you know, looking at the space and, and visualizing in my mind the the pictures of the disinterment of the bodies and, and all of that that took place on this space was overwhelming. Afterwards, as I look out at different places, I think it was, at the time I saw it, a meadow, mm-hmm. relatively quiet. It had Americans running all over it. But other than that, it was this isolated space that could have been any space. And so one of the things that was so amazing to me was that the spaces that we looked at were very mundane daily spaces. And at UCA, when we went to the University of Central America and saw the place where the housekeeper and her daughter were murdered, it was a little bedroom. It was, and it, it was relatively, it could have been the, the third bedroom in any house you've ever been in. But what happened there consecrated it as a sacred space and a landmark in the life of El Salvador, in the life of the church, in the life of the Ursuline community, in the Beaumont community, because we were visiting a place that then became part of our felt experience. And so the fact that you were riding down a hillside looking for a road that was non-existent, bouncing your way down to and and other places, they are places throughout the world that have no significance other than to God and to the people who are experiencing this. And so that's what's memorable now. You want to say there were memorable people and there were um, the, the visits to places. All of those are in your memory, but the memories deepen and say, it's one thing to see a poor child or see a family that is destitute or eight people living in one room and to say, isn't this awful, isn't this terrible? But as you move away from it, it becomes an invitation to say, there are parts of my own society that I don't see. 
-hmm. I professionally don't see them. I look over them. I look at poor neighborhoods as neighborhoods that I go by on, on public transportation or in my car and not have it touch me that there is that kind of life going on there. And so as I think back of these moments, uh, the pride that the El Salvadorans take in their houses, which will say, this is a place that has no windows and has no doors, it's, you know, because it's so hot and this and, but those hearths, those uh, living rooms that you're invited into are so important to people and your being there is so important that that's what makes those moments memorable. It's, it's, it's what you take away a, a year later or months later that you, they come to your mind at times when you say, this doesn't match. I'm at my cousin's house and why am I thinking of this? And you're thinking, because this is a family and that was a family and this is their existence. And our existences somehow have to come into contact with one another, which gives more meaning to everybody's life, I think. I agree with you. I, I think we were moved. You talk about the homes and the dignity that the people we visited, as poor as they were with their dirt floors and no walls to speak of, you know, they'd pull out a, a wooden bench and ask you to take a seat in their home like anybody would when you go to visit someone. It almost took my breath away every time. I think it was overwhelming, right? Some of, this, some of the emotion of it could be overwhelming at times. And the way they saw us, mm -hmm. uh, which goes into um, spiritual motivation as well. They look at you and say, how grateful I am that you're here. And you think, you don't, you don't, you're attributing more to me than I deserve. You're, you know, I'm someone from a different planet that has descended and, and now I'm sitting in your living room or I'm standing in front of your house and they're saying, thank you for visiting us. And, and we're saying, I think you're too kind to us. You're, you, we, we get more from you than you're going to get from us. We stop by, here's some candy, here's whatever it is. The, the spiritual legacy of this moment is much more important because it's, it invites us to a ministry. and It invites us to some action beyond this. I can't be poor. I take a vow of poverty and I'm the first to admit that I'm anything but poor. What I have to be poor in is taking ownership of things that do not belong to me, mm -hmm. that are God's gifts given to me that I have to use. That's what's there. It doesn't, it isn't going to help anybody for me to say, oh yes, people have said that I'm clever or yes, people say that I write well and um, I would, but I'm just so busy sitting around in my house being grateful for these gifts that I don't get a chance to do. It doesn't, it's not something I can withhold, just as those people didn't withhold anything from us. They said, be careful what you take from them. They could be offering you all the food they have. Right. You're, and their trust, that was the other thing, the, the, the trust that they have in God, that God has sent you, 
-hmm. And I'm happy that that makes you feel that God is looking at you and thinking about you and that St. Dominic's is, is doing things for you. But I personally am come with empty hands. I, I come without anything substantial to give to you other than you feel graced by my presence. And I'm grateful for that. I, I don't deserve that. But, but if that makes you feel that God is looking on you, then I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that as gift as well. But what you're giving to me is the invitation to have that kind of trust and that kind of open-handedness. I think, you know, we go back to our Ursuline values, right? And the relational experience of being there. And, and, and you touched on this. These are people, they, they've never met us. They don't know who we are. And they're trusting this group of Americans who are coming into their homes and, you know, bringing them food, but they're not, but it's more than that. They're, they're, they're trusting us with their story. To me, that's the ultimate trust. They, they are saying, you know, this is my, this is my story. This is my experience, or this is my child's experience. And I need you to hear it. And I need you to remember it. And I need you to tell others about it. And to me, that is an incredible, that is an incredibly trusting thing to do, um, to trust a complete stranger with the thing closest to you, which is your story. Yeah. And I was so moved by their openness, you know, their, their truth, which is very hard to hear and see and smell and you know everything and and it's not uh, and we come from a foreign country and and we say oh this oh the smells and the sounds and the sights and the what they're eating and and the fact that they have so little and all of this kind of stuff is one thing oscar romero lived there was and he didn't see the picture right until he was older he didn't step out of his privilege until it became immediate, until Rutilio Grandi gets killed. And he says, wait a minute, this is just, this is my friend. This is a guy who just, all he wanted was help for the poor. And, and you know, and they massacre the guy. And how did that happen? And, and how does it happen in my name? Right. And we as Americans saying, they did this all with the help of the American government. And what, you know, where do we take back our our country and our, you know, wait a minute, don't do things in our name that would be considered atrocities if we were at war. You know, exactly. how do you back all of this stuff? And I think that's the, the story. I think I hope that the girls meet Romero and see his life and where he thought he was going and how it got derailed and how he was, you know, mystified by what happened to him and, and what he could do. And he become and he says, I, I will be the death. I if they kill me, my death will be the legacy for the for the El Salvadoran people. That that people will say, Wow, he was a good man and they killed him. And why was that? That's one of the things I'm hopeful for with our students going on this mission trip is I think our kids today, you know, they're influenced by lots of things, the social media, the news, you know. And, and the world is very small now, right? I mean, you know, I was, I was growing up at the time Dorothy was 
was in El Salvador and we never didn't hear about Central America, you know, in any way, shape or form. But the world is much smaller today. And in some ways, I think it overwhelms our students wondering how they can impact the world when really what we're asking them to do is just to kind of shrink it all into what can they, what can they bring? What can they bring to one other person? What can they bring to two people, a group of people? But to think about it in those one-to-one Ursuline relational ways, instead of how do we fix wildfires in Australia? I, I, I mean, that's, it's kind of helping them. I hope this helps them see and one of the impact that, can be small and personal and it's okay. And one of the things we saw, the people who moved me most were the teams that worked there. Mm-hmm. Your eyes have been opened. And now when you go back home, you will see things that you didn't see before. I, I think to me that that is one of the great lessons that I've taken from that first trip to El Salvador was, you know, it's, I have seen things and, and, and I, will, I will see things now. You know, we had these amazing group of people who were our guides and interpreters and um, you got to practice your Portuguese, as we called it, with them. They, they were so beautiful and honest and earnest in their joy to welcome us. Felt very much from the minute we got out of the airport that they were going to be there to become our friends and get to know us and to ask us questions about our lives and our families and, you know, that all that was important to them. And so that relational aspect of this trip, I think, deeply affected me. Okay, Cheryl, let's talk a little bit about our students, what we would like to what we'd like them to experience when we're there. What, what, do we, what are our hopes for their mission trip to El Salvador? I think that to see the people their own age, the lives that they lead, and the priorities that they have, to walk three hours to go to school, to, you know, would you... Can you picture yourself in this? If somebody said, okay, education's no longer uh, a given, what would you do to get an education? What kind of sacrifices would you make? What their lives are like and to understand what gifts we have and how we can use them for others. You know, like if you're, if you're going to get an education and you're either going to come up with a debt or your parents are going to pay for it, what is it that you're going to do with this position that you now have being elevated as a student in a private school you are already on a higher level mm-hmm. you have an audience you have someone who will listen to you when you speak what will you do with that you're not in their position and you see what they're trying to do if you take a look at that graduation that we went to you know with mm-hmm. the of the baccalaureate, the kids getting this, and they now have a possibility. And they're saying, I want to come back and make my community better. They're not saying, well, I'm going to go and make a million dollars and whatever and have a car. 
that they were given this opportunity and many are not. And, you know, what are you going to do with that? And that doesn't mean you have to dedicate your, you're going to go off and be a missionary. We've spent the last year, a little bit more than a year, getting to know Sister Dorothy as a Beaumont School community. You know, this year marks the 40th anniversary of her death. What do you think Sister Dorothy would think now that Beaumont still has, that the, that, El Salvador and the people in El Salvador are still important to Beaumont because of the work that she did there. I think she would be surprised. What do you think she'd um, say? I think, well, I should ask Martha because Martha would know exactly what she'd say. I think that she would say that we're remembering, we may be remembering the wrong things. Mm-hmm. If we are celebrating her death, then we're in the wrong place. We're in the wrong path. If we are celebrating her life as a person who agreed to follow the call of Jesus, who looked for it and followed it, and it led her to martyrdom. Sometimes it does that. Sometimes it's recognition. Sometimes it's other people being oblivious. Sometimes it's being a martyr. You just Throw yourself out there and see what happens. And so I think that she would be surprised, maybe not at her moment of death, she would have thought that there are a lot of people going to be hurt by this and other people who will be inspired by it. And other people would say, well, you were in the wrong place and you were stupid for going there in the first place. And maybe that's what she thought about. But I think in her last moment, she thought, Jesus, you must have a purpose for this. You must have something that you want to happen because of this. At the time we went to El Salvador, the national conversation was around immigrants coming from Central America and and demonizing them as the other. Well, it's pretty hard to demonize somebody that you've sat and chatted with and broken bread with and celebrated mass with and sang songs with. Well, it's been a joy listening to you as it always is. Cheryl, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you. um, uh, Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Hope you have a relaxing couple of weeks here and catch up on some rest and relaxation. Mm -hmm.